are raw and real mothers sharing our struggles, triumphs, and everything in between. We are all about being authentic and sharing who we are. None of us have it all together. We know how hard motherhood is. We also know how joyful motherhood is. We're here to grow with you. We're here to empower and support each other. As we share our hearts, we become stronger. Our stories bring us together. The mother heart is within every woman. Hi, and welcome to our Mother Heart podcast tonight. Um, tonight, we're going to be talking about the book, uh, The Assertiveness Guide for w Women by Julie de Azevedo. I chose this book because I knew I needed to learn how to be more assertive in my relationships. Uh, I started reading this book and learning about um, Julie de Azevedo's message about assertiveness um, a couple years ago. And so... We, I thought it would be fun to talk about this tonight and share some of the things we've learned from the book and encourage you to pick up this book and read it and, and um, learn the difference between assertiveness, um, aggressive actions, and passive actions, and, the, and what is the healthy way, which is assertiveness. So... Um, so one of my main takeaways from this book... I felt like it was an all-around good general self-help book for mental health in relationships. It touches on a lot of points that um, we've talked about in past podcasts um, from other self-help books that we have read, um, but her focus is on practicing assertiveness in our relationships. Um, so I just think it's cool. It's like, okay, some of these things we've already learned, we've talked about them, um, but now we're applying them to our relationships. And um, and depending on some of the, the culture that we've grown up with, uh, we may share that a common uh, challenge of being assertive. And her her argument is that a lot of women struggle with practicing assertiveness because of the culture in which we've been raised and we've been cultured to be passive in a lot of ways in a lot of places. So um, a lot of the tools that she talks about in her book can help us not only in our relationships, but also just in our all around lives and just finding more fulfillment and happiness in our lives. So Let's talk a little bit first about the difference between uh, aggressive behavior, passive behavior, and assertiveness. Because I think it's important that we define those terms. Uh, language is empowering. And when we understand what these things are that we're doing and we have language that we can label things with, we can start to make changes and change our behavior. So does anyone want to? share what they learned about the difference between those three terms? I, I wouldn't mind sharing a little bit. Okay, so <laughs> with passive, you just kind of allow it, right? You just, you know, somebody does something, I'm trying to think of a good situation scenario where someone might have passed the boundary, but instead of saying anything about it, you just accept it and move on, right? Which is fine, but after a while, um, you start feeling resentment. I think she mentions in the book that, um, for example, there was a woman who was working and her boss was calling her constantly out off, off hours, right? So in the evenings and on the weekends, was constantly calling her and asking her to do things. 
um, outside of working hours. And she was really frustrated and, and resentful, um, but she didn't say anything about it. She just kept picking up the phone. She kept, you know, jumping through all the hoops that her boss would ask her to do. Uh, and that's kind of being passive. It's like allowing those things to happen without saying no, basically. Um, I would say being aggressive is um, trying to set the boundary, but being mean and rude about it. No, I'm definitely not. Why do you always do that? You know, like just accusatory and uh, angry. And being assertive doesn't mean you have to be aggressive. It just means that you say, oh, uh, I, I'm, I can't do that. I have other things that I've got to do this weekend. And But you can ask me Monday morning. Um, and I'd be happy to, to do that for you on Monday morning, right? Just when work starts again or whatever. I love she does have um, a number of phrases of how to say no in a nice way. And I'm going to have to see if I can find those. But I, I loved that because being assertive means feeling free to say no when you don't really want to do something. Instead of, instead of saying yes to something you don't want to do and then feeling resentment for it. So... Anyway, yeah, I love that. I love that list. Like it's just a tool to put in your toolbox. And if you study those sentences, then when somebody asks you, will you do this? Will you do that? And you want to say no, you have one right in your toolbox. You can just pull out. And it's it's a polite and assertive way to say things. Um, before I ever learned about this book, I did figure out one <laughs> one way to say no. And it was to my kids. Um, one of my kids was very, just very impatient. She wants things now. And um, so she was always like approaching me, will you do this? Will you do that? And I finally figured out a sentence. I'm like, okay, because she'd always get me just right in this moment. I'm not ready for it. But finally I figured it out. And so I had it right there in the moment. And I would say, um, I don't have an answer for you on that. So it wasn't necessarily a no. So like if I didn't have an answer, I'd say, I don't have an answer for you on that. You're going to have to get back with me. Um, so that's a good one for like, you know, I'm not sure, but you know, that person's being really impatient and they want an answer. Okay. I gave you an answer. It wasn't the yes, or it wasn't the no, <laughs> it was the, you know, get back with me. I need time on that. So that's a polite way of, of answering a yes or no question while being assertive. But yeah, there's a great, she has a great list of what, polite ways of saying no that respect the other person as well as respecting you because that's what assertiveness is about is showing respect when we have a difference of opinion um love, yeah go ahead kylie i was just gonna say i love that she said assertiveness is the courage to express the difference at the root of it all and i thought that was a great little definition mm -hmm. that's perfect and she also has analogies. She loves to use analogies to describe these things. And sometimes it's nice to have an image in your mind. If you can't think, it's, it may be difficult to wrap your mind around some of these abstract ideas. So having images in your mind, think about, oh, okay, it's like this. So she says that someone who's being acting passively is like a doormat. And what does a doormat do? Everybody wipes their feet on it. They walk over you. They, um, you don't really have a voice. <laughs> um, you just please other people. Um, uh, the aggressive behavior is a, like a sword. So you're always out there ready to def defend yourself. But in the meantime, you're hurting other people. And Lantern is her comparison to being assertive and 
How is that like being assertive? Right. If you're if you're shining a light, are you hurting anybody else? No, but you're shining a light on how you feel, how, what you think about a situation. And you're allowing that other person to see you for who you are. And then they get the option to shine their lantern, too. They may not always choose that. We were talking about this earlier, that um, this this book is a practice for ourselves to practice being assertive. But other people that we're interacting with in our relationships may not always choose to go the assertive route, the healthy route that we want to. So um, but this is a practice for ourselves and focusing on how we can grow and how we can change and become better and have better relationships. Fairly. Yeah. Another definition. She gives many definitions of what assertiveness is and they, they all, they're all very similar, but she gives many different definitions throughout her, her book. And one that I really appreciated was when she said, assertiveness is a way that you express difference while remaining connected. So I really appreciated that. Um, mm-hmm. I grew up in a, where it was hard to express your opinions or your thoughts without being criticized, without being told, no, you're wrong. This is how you should think, or this is how you should look at it. And then one of us would get offended and we wouldn't, because of that offense that came through, the connection was severed. And so um, I had to learn more assertiveness as I became an adult and got married and had to interact with people and they have differences of opinion, but still learn that even though they think differently than I do and do things differently than I do, that doesn't mean we can't have a good relationship. Right. And so that's one of the first things she talks about in her book is how important it is to dif- learn differentiation. Did you want to talk, does it, or Ana Maria, did you want to talk a little bit about what that means to differentiate? Yeah, I thought it was, this was one of my favorite parts of her book. Yeah, I love it too. <laughs> um, she says, so humans are wired for connection and closeness with others. And I, I'm trying to pull up this quote here. Sure. Um, and how we are bo- born with a desire and capability to form lasting relationships. So we're born with that, we're wired to be connected and to have relationships. But sometimes, um, we find those relationships are hard because we do not know how to be assertive and remain connected because usually we'll either our communication will turn into passiveness or aggressiveness or passive aggressiveness instead of, Hey, I can express my voice and my opinion in a kind, respectful, honoring way without hurting someone and without, um, hurting my, um, hurting my own uh, boundaries, I guess you could say. Um, So she says, equally important to our discussion of of assertiveness is how, in addition to being interconnected, we are simultaneously individuals with unique feelings, thoughts, needs, and wants. So differentiation is the ability to maintain your sense of self when you are emotionally and or physically close to others, especially as they become important to you. Um, Oftentimes with codependency, you start to lose that sense of self. And with differentiation, you are able to still be just as close and as connected, but you still have a strong sense of who you are and what your opinions are and what your thoughts are without being trampled on. I really appreciated her, this chapter on differentiation. 
Right. So one of the key steps in uh, practicing differentiation is first knowing yourself, knowing what you want, knowing what you need, knowing what your boundaries are. Because if you don't know those, it will be very difficult to practice assertiveness. Because assertiveness is voicing what you need, what you want, your opinions. Um, yeah, it's like it's being authentic with yourself. Mm -hmm. and true to yourself yeah I think sometimes I remember when I was younger you know in an effort to fit in and and be accepted and liked or whatever I think I um I tried hard to like uh I don't know just fit in right you just wanted everyone to like you like especially with my friends and so I um if I had an opinion about something like a boy band for example and everyone was making fun of that boy band um, that I liked, but they didn't, then I wouldn't say anything like, oh, well, I don't, I don't want to admit that I, that I like that boy band because they might not like me anymore <laughs> or whatever. Like, um, if, or with music, I was really uh, hesitant to um, tell people what I liked and what I didn't, because what if they liked something different or, you know, and so it, it just made me feel really vulnerable to share some of those things. I know it's funny that just music, but, um, and and even strong opinions. I had a hard time like sharing strong opinions because what if they disagreed with me and then they wanted to argue and I didn't have like good facts and figures behind my uh, my opinions. Um, and so sometimes I think when we it's it's easy to hide in the shadows, right? It's easy to like pretend um, and just go with whatever everyone's saying at the time. But I liked um, what you were saying, Shirley, about the lantern where you, you hide up the, she says that you hold up the lantern and you shine that light on yourself and, and you allow yourself to, to speak up and say what you think and what you feel and um, just let the things um, fall where they the chips fall where they, they fall, right? If they don't, if somebody doesn't like you because you have a different opinion, then so be it, right? And if you're not saying it to be rude, then but it's okay. It's okay to have a difference of opinion. And people's opinions and their um, their feelings and their thoughts matter. Everybody's does. And I loved what you said, Shirley. She was saying, you know, we all we are we're all important, and we should all feel like we sh we can share. Um, nobody's opinions are more important than somebody else's and so um anyway i'm on my soapbox now right and practicing assertiveness does create you're creating a safe space to allow those with you to share a difference of opinion right that's part of it yeah um yeah. Also, can i add a little bit more yeah i also loved just the fact that she was saying a lot of times in your in your family of origin, um, your family has a really strong sense of how you're supposed to be or who you're supposed to be or what you're supposed to be interested in. And she talks about that, how her family was really into music. And so, um, you know, if you weren't super into music, then you might feel left out or might feel like you weren't, you know, supposed to be right. And I think sometimes we feel that way where if we're you know, in a sporty family and we like theater or something, then we feel like, oh man, 
I'm I'm not who I'm supposed to be, right? Because uh, everybody else in my family thinks that I should be like them. Like I, we should all be sporty, and that's what's important. Um, and the differentiation thing is like, oh, it's allowing space for people to be different and to have different likes and different feelings and different opinions, and being okay have being different you know and and your family can of origin and even your your uh friend groups and stuff you may feel like oh i keep losing my train of thought um i need to be a certain way but we need to allow people to be themselves and to to uh let them allow us to be ourselves and and um anyway i think that's one of our goals like wouldn't you guys agree in this group is to allow for one another to practice differentiation and showing respect and honor for one another. We're creating a, a an environment that allows for differentiation, which means we have a high different. Our goal is to have a high differentiation level. We're definitely all perfect, but and that's what creates a safe space and allows one another to be assertive and address their needs, even if one person's need is completely different than another person's. Even if they seem to conflict with each other, if you have a high differentiation level, you can still find harmony and work together in say, if someone is you know super into sports and another one hates sports, you can still find a, a place to honor each other's differences. So. Right, right. I wanted to add I wanted to, to add- what um, Janessa was saying about how, when she was a kid trying to fit in. And I think we've all dealt with that, trying to fit in. And Brene Brown says that fitting in is not belonging. And be- belonging is what is what our goal is. And she says, belonging doesn't require us to change who we are. It requires us to be who we are. Whereas fitting in, we're always having to change who we are to fit the status quo or whatever. So. Um, but I, I just think like if we're in a place in relationships with people who are requiring us to fit in, in order for us to feel like feel that belonging, it might be time to find some other people, other friends and other people that do accept you for who you are. I know that, you know, as I've worked on this, I've, some of my relationships have changed um, over time. So, and I love this group because I feel like I can be myself and everyone here is so accepting and loving and, and we are trying to practice that in our group for sure. So thank you. (laughs) I really like the, what you said, Janessa, about holding space for people to be, um, I just like that phrase holding space because that allows all of us, we aren't allowing anyone to do anything. We're just holding a space for them to just be themselves and for us to be ourselves. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think that's so important. I think especially nowadays, it's it's hard to feel like we can be ourselves and have our own opinions, you know, without offending other people, you know, and, we, and, and I think that's great. We don't want to offend other people, but uh, other people shouldn't be offended just because we have a difference of opinion or because we, um, you know, have different views and thoughts. In fact, we can learn so much from each other by expressing those differences and understanding 
each other, understanding, well, why do you feel that way? And, and uh, you know, how did you come to that conclusion or whatever? And, and yeah, holding space for them to be different. And it's okay. We can choose to be different and we can still choose to love each other and, uh, and be kind to one another. So, yeah. I really like these concepts in a religious setting. Like most, all of us are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And all these principles we're talking about, I think would really help us reach our brothers and sisters to realize that we all belong, that we all can be different, but yet all um, come together and be connected and that we all fit because we belong. We don't, aren't trying to be exactly the same. We're trying to be ourselves and bring our own beauty to help each other. Yeah. Yes. I love that. I love that. Yes. Um, I think that is the goal of, of, the church that we belong to, but sometimes it, it's difficult to realize <laughs> or to make it an actual thing. So I think it, it is incumbent, incumbent upon us as individuals, as we practice assertiveness in our relationships in, and within whatever culture we're a part of, it's, you're going to be a lantern. We're, we're all going to be a lantern. We're going to be shining our light and we're going to be setting an example and hopefully as we do that, other people will see and want to to make changes in their lives too, to be, be more assertive. I think it's uh, really liberating too when, you know, because like I said, when I was younger, I kind of felt like I kind of hid in shadows and I didn't express my opinions as much. And now, you know, I'm still, I'm, there's still some of that, but I feel like I can just be myself and, and say how I feel or what I think um, a lot more freely. And it's just liberating to feel like, oh, and people know me and they don't have to ask me for everything. I love when my, my son comes to me and says, mom, I was going to ask you a question, but I already know the answer. <laughs> I said, oh, is that right? He's like, yeah, it's going to be no, because I really wanted to do this thing. Uh, I wanted to watch TV, but it's not a media day or whatever. And so, and I'm like, great, I'm glad you know the answer and you don't have to keep asking me, you know, and I just think in life, that's kind of when people see with that lantern, when they see who you are and they know you, then they feel free to be themselves as well. And, and they know who you are. And so they're not always guessing and trying to hide. And, you know, it's like, oh, I know that you, this is your opinion and I have a difference of opinion, but I know you hold space for me and that you're okay with who I am. And so we can, you know, um, we can get along, we can interact and, and it's okay. Mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about situations where um, we may not pra- like know how to be assertive in the situation. Um, and I was thinking about like, okay, maybe we didn't do it right in that moment. Um, and, and I know for me, a lot of times I may be feeling like really emotional. So I know I will not be I'm not in a good place to practice practice assertiveness. Um, so I love how she talks about um, setting, well, figuring out what you like, what you want, what you need, and then then you can go to that person, like in a you know when you're both calmer, and then you can practice, you know, using I statements. I feel this when you do this. Um, um, so and. Part of that is like understanding, okay, so what are my boundaries? What do I want? I don't even know. 
And so I wanted to talk about, well, I wanted Kylie maybe to talk a little bit about the gift of resentment. So this is one clue, one thing that can clue you in to what your boundaries may possibly be. Yeah. So she talked about the gift of resentment, which I actually love how she worded it as a gift of resentment because I completely agree with that. So when we're, she said, tune in um, when, when we are feeling resentful and we notice those feelings coming up. Um, the reason it is a gift is because it actually is a really strong indicator that there's a boundary being crossed. And so when we recognize that resentment, we can then begin to ask ourselves, why am I feeling resentful? And then it helps us to identify that boundary that we need to put in place. And then we can then take the time to communicate assertively, compassionately, with understanding for the other person um, what our needs are and what our boundary is. Great. Thanks. So I'm wondering if anyone has like a personal example or <laughs> or not <laughs> of you know a time when when you felt some resentment and were able to clue in oh this is where a boundaries being crossed I I kind of wish that I knew it was a gift my whole life because I took the resentment and held on to it and held on to it and didn't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it was someone crossing the boundary. I didn't know. I just kind of had this bitterness and anger and resentment towards that person. and didn't know what to do with it until I just said one day, I need to forgive. I need to let go. I need to find gratitude. And that helped me release a lot of resentment I've had. Um, but just understanding this now, it's like, okay, now that I'm feeling resentment, I can be aware. It's a presence. It's a consciousness. I can be aware and then I can take that resentment away because if you have negative feelings in your body too long, it causes mental and physical illnesses and problems. And so I don't think it's safe to hold on to resentment for too long, but you look at the resentment and you say, okay, that person did this and it did cross this boundary. And this is why I'm feeling this resentment. Now I need to put this boundary in my life so that next time when someone wants this from me or whatever the situation may be, I will be ready. I'll be prepared. And then release, release the resentment and be grateful for it rather than upset with yourself that you were feeling those negative emotions. It's a teaching opportunity. It's a teaching opportunity. Yeah. True. Resentment. She also, well, at some point um, addresses the need to have self-compassion. So I think those two go hand in hand. Um, because the, the resentment really is a teaching opportunity. And we, it's important not to get trapped in that cycle of shame and blame and like self-deprecating um, thoughts or feelings um, to just understand that this is a feeling that's coming up and to accept that feeling. And I think um, she talked about how we, and I know I've experienced this in my life, I have the tendency to invalidate my feelings when they mm-hmm. come up. And tell myself, well, that's kind of silly. I shouldn't be feeling that emotion. Like, why am I feeling that emotion? Because of that little tiny thing that someone said or someone did or someone didn't do. And and so I invalidate it. I shove that emotion under the rug and I tell myself it doesn't matter. But then what happens later is then that resentment comes. And so I guess that would be the passive or doormat response to something. And so then um, instead of shaming and blaming myself for having those feelings, I can go, oh, 
oh, look, I am noticing that this is bothering me, and it's okay. It's okay that it bothers me, even if it doesn't bother so-and-so next door or whoever. It, I feel uncomfortable, and I can acknowledge my uniqueness, my authenticity, and now I can address that. Right. You're practicing self-compassion, which is a key point in getting to that place of exercising assertiveness, for sure. I just have to say, like, all of this makes me want to talk to my children about boundaries, about um, the gift of resentment and about assertiveness. And I want to teach them this so that they will have this toolkit that I haven't learned for so long, you know, and what powerful and beautiful people they can be if they have these tools and they know them already. So I'm we need some children's books out there, don't we? <laughs> yeah. Something that is especially powerful is when they watch us learning how to set those boundaries, they will, they will be learning that they are valuable, that their needs matter, that their feelings, no matter how silly or insignificant they seem, matter. And they will follow that pattern if they see us um, living that pattern for ourselves. They will be more likely to. Especially if we allow differentiation in our home, which can I touch on that for just a mm-hmm. second? Yeah. Children. Um, so just before reading this book, um, I had been really pondering on wondering what causes a strong family, what creates a family that sticks together. And when I read this whole concept of differentiation, I was like, that's the key. That's the piece that I'm missing that I was like, just looking for like there's something and I just noticing these families like families that I I know and I'm you know I'm friends with from different religions different backgrounds and they were all you know grew up and were all so connected and so happy and wanted to be around each other wanted to go to family functions and so I really um started wondering well what what is it that creates that that desire to be united with the family and when this differentiation concept um was brought up in the book i i just was like that that is it so so my hope and my goal is to create that differentiation within the home and then our children will be able to see that their differences are honored within the home and then when they grow up they they will respect themselves because of that and feel that there's a safe place at home to come to, no matter how different they are from mom or dad. I think especially with parents, it's difficult. We're like an authority figure to our children. And so, um, I don't know, I think kids see us way, you know, up on a pedestal or, and, and it's really important to, for them to know and see us allowing for that, um, difference of opinion, difference of thought, difference of belief. Um, and it's easier said and done, especially I feel like when um, when we care so much for our children, but that's exactly what they need in order to feel loved and, and cared for. I think it's important that um, we also are confident in, in ourselves because I feel like why why do families a lot of times struggle with differentiation? Is there a, a self-confidence issue? Like, well, you got to believe like me or else I'm going to doubt myself. And, I, you know, so 
It just makes me too. Like if you believe different, I fear that you won't be able to succeed in this and this and this area. If you're, I'm going to like, even if faith, we're all members of the church here. Those of us in this speaking right now, I'm members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I think there's a really huge tendency to um, create a really low differentiation when it comes to like your faith or your religion, because it's like, well, this is right. I know it's right. So then I can't allow you to believe different because if you believe different, then all hope is lost. Kind of a thing. When really, I, I don't think it's that way at all, but we get so stuck in this fear cycle instead of faith and hope and trust and trusting in our child and trusting in their journey and their ability to find truth as they navigate their journey and our ability to be a safe space for them to come to when they want to know what our beliefs are or, you know, our opinion is. And I think it's, for me, it's important to share my faith with my children and my beliefs and to teach them these things that I firmly believe um, are true and good and will help them to be happy. At the same time, we need to hold space um, for their beliefs as they grow and mature. Right. I love that so much. Um, speaking about faith, I just wanted, to, I'm going to go a little religious. <laughs> um, Jesus spoke about being assertive. And here's one example that I love because a lot of times we talk about, oh, well, you just need to forgive that person. Just forgive it, forgive them and move on. But there's actually a second piece to that. And um, so he says, if you remember, if, if, uh, how does he say it? If you remember that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift or the offering to, to God. So as far as like when we're talking about resentment and holding on to things like I'm just so angry and mad at this person and how do we resolve that resentment? <clears throat> we need to go talk to the person that we're feeling if there's some resentment there and how do we talk to them? We use I statements. <laughs> I feel this when you do that, that's reconciling with our brother. And I just think it's awesome because uh, awesome that Jesus Christ talks about this as well, but this is an important part of the, the forgiveness process for us. It's, it's for our benefit, right? Um, so any, I was just thinking, sorry. Um, I was just thinking how resentment can feel powerless because we're giving them the power over what we think they're doing to us and how their actions are affecting us. But really we, we have the power and we have the control and it's in our power to, yes choose to understand our needs, understand our wants, and to vocalize those to the people that are important to us. And I think that keeps it really simple. Like the starting point is just to like really know what that is. And I'm personally working on that right now because I've had a lot of resentment this past little while. And this talk is really, really good for me. But I'm excited to really get to know myself and my needs and my desires and then find that assertive way to express that to those that important to me yeah I love that I thought I thought it was really um important too to mention so when you use the I statement so so what you're being assertive is setting your boundaries right mm -hmm. and so you understand you figure out what you need what you want and then you go and you talk to him you use the I statements 
I feel such and such when you do such and such. Um, and what I need is, and you tell them what you need. That's how you set that boundary. And you be, and you, you're very, um, detailed about specific about what you need, right? Because if you're too vague about it, they may not know how to, how to navigate that. Right. So she tells a story about, um, a woman who her mother was constantly giving her kids gifts, um, big, expensive, nice gifts. And she wanted to teach her children. She felt like, um, and maybe it was her mother-in-law. I don't remember, but anyway, she just felt like, Oh wow, this, like, I want to teach my kids that they don't need to have things to be happy. And that, you know, and I feel like this is a little too extravagant. And so she went to her, her mother-in-law and said, um, you know, we really appreciate those, those gifts that you've been giving, but here's the reasons, you know, uh, why we feel like we need to have less of those. And then she said, um, I think we need to only have one gift every three months. And so she was very specific in like, please only give them one gift every three months, very specific so that they knew exactly how to handle that. Because if she had just said they need to have less gifts, then they may not know what that means. Um, and so I think it's important when we set that boundary, we use the I statements. I feel this when you do this, and this is what I need. And this is what I want. There's the boundary. And then being very specific about, you know, when you want to send your kids over to my house to, for play dates, you need to text me first and ask if it's okay. Don't just send them over or, you know, when you want to come visit me for whatever, then please call up beforehand. Don't just drop by. Like, just be very specific in your boundaries so that so that they know how to act, right? They know very clearly um, how to honor those boundaries, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So I'm reading this book right now that goes right along with that. It's called Nonviolent Communication. It's a great book, but it talks about when we express our needs indirectly, especially if we use evaluation, interpretation, and images, others are likely to hear criticism. So he says, judgments, criticisms, diagnoses, and interpretations of others are all alienated expressions of our own needs. And so um, if we want a compassionate response from others, it's self-defeating to express our needs by interpreting or diagnosing their behavior Instead, the more directly we can connect our feelings to our own needs, the easier it is for others to respond to us compassionately. Because did I say the part when people hear anything that sounds like criticism, they put all their energy into defending themselves or a counterattack. And so that's where sometimes, like, you think you're setting a good boundary or you think you're being assertive, but until you connect to what your need really is, without evaluating or judging somebody else's behavior, then when you express it to them, it's going to come across as a criticism. But when you can separate that out and just purely state your need, then they can receive it. Sorry, guys, I keep interrupting. I'm like thinking out loud and like taking this all in and I keep accidentally like <laughs> interrupting you. So I apologize for that. Um, I just wanted to say that, but I I agree with that a lot. So, and I had a thought, but then I apologized instead. So, 
<laughs> I don't even know what you did. So. <laughs> Oh, that's what I was going to say. So we're recognizing, finding, and what you're describing is we're recognizing that our thoughts and emotions are different from others' thoughts and emotions. And that they're, and we're not trying to identify what their experience is or their emotions yet at that point when we're expressing our, our, our boundary. We're instead saying, this is my need and maybe what you're doing is perfectly fine. But it actually is conflicting with something that I need. So maybe you're eating five cookies at night. This is like a random example. But actually, I need two of those cookies. Like, I, I, it's really important to me that I get at least two of those cookies. And maybe it's not wrong to eat five cookies at night, but then I don't get any cookies. So I need two cookies. And so it's not like saying, like, oh, you're wrong for eating five cookies every night. Like, you know, the, the aggressive um, response would be to say, like, wow, why do you eat so many cookies? Can't you consider other people? But really, what's wrong with eating five cookies or whatever, like, the situation is, um, it's acknowledging that. I found this on Sorry, that their, their choices, we're not judging their choices. We're just acknowledging our needs and expressing that. And then after that, we make room for understanding their side of things. So after we express our boundary in the book she talks about, then you allow them to say, you know, well, this is what I'm experiencing. This is why I'm eating five cookies. And, and then they can say, and this is what I need, and this is where I'm coming from. And then you can come to um, a middle ground, something that works for both of you. So. Yeah. She, she does share another a story in the book about, you know, well, kind of. She just says, you know, there's some people like in their family growing up, they were very huggy and touchy. And for other people, it's like a nod and maybe a pat on the shoulder, right? Like very um, non-physical, if that makes sense. And so when those two people get together, one might the one might feel uncomfortable because the other one's constantly hugging and touching them. And um, and so the the second might have to say, look, when you hug me, I feel uncomfortable, you know, or I feel uncomfortable when you hug me. I need you to just, you know, smile and wave and not touch me, please, you know, or whatever. Because, and it's not that either of those are wrong, like you were saying, Kylie, but just that uh, it's, you know, just a difference of being comfortable with, the difference of being raised that way. Um, and so, anyway, but yeah, I liked, I liked that a lot. That's a great example. Thanks for <laughs> adding to my example. I wanted to go back to what Tanya was saying and add to it. Um, I really like how she talks about in the book um, strategies for starting a difficult conversation. Um, so she does have some different strategies so that you're so that you can be successful when you're practicing assertiveness with other people when you're expressing a difference of opinion. Um, and I've been thinking like some of the ways that I've practiced, maybe not so well, but tried to at least. But so I'm just going to like read off the little titles. So here are some strategies. Time it right. So time it when your emotions are soothed enough that you can have more of a balanced approach. Um, another one is seek permission. She calls it a soft start. 
So seek permission. Oh, is this a good time? You know, when's a good time I could talk to you about, you know, this important or touchy subject. Um, another thing she says is to keep it private. And she was like giving examples in, and I, I know I'm guilty of this, but I've, and I've noticed this and I just feel so bad um, in school when teachers reprimand students in front of everybody else or addressing conflicting issues to with a student in front of the whole class. Um, she's like, keep it private. It's a, it's a healthier, more respectful way to deal with a difference of opinion. Um, another one was put down your crystal ball. Sometimes we get stuck in a certain pattern in a relationship with somebody. And so we start pre predicting the future like, oh, I just know that they're going to, this is how, the, the, this is the outcome that's going to happen no matter what. But what you're doing is self-sabotaging. <laughs> well, and then you create that situation. You're creating that yeah. pattern when you're like, right. oh, I don't know. Yeah. By expecting them to behave a certain way, you are automatically behaving a certain way towards them. And then yeah. they respond to you. And yep. so self-fulfilling prophecy, yep. right? Yeah. Um, and then what was another one? Breathe, just breathe. So even she said, just taking a few cleansing breaths can help lower your anxiety enough that you may be able to think more clearly. Um, and then push the pause button. This is a lot of times is the one that I end up resorting to just because I'm like, I can't handle this conversation anymore. I'm done. And so then it, that ends up happening is it just pause, slam the door, whatever. But usually it gives us enough time. I am the other person enough time to breathe slow or calm the emotions down and think through things. Okay. I feel this way. Okay. Now I can say my I statement rather than being all defensive. Well, you're doing this and you're doing that. Like, okay, I feel this way when you say that or whatever. So push the pause button. That's a good one. So I like anyways. the one, Shirley, the, what, just talking about using the proper words, right? Like she, she has a bunch of examples, like instead yeah. of starting with, why don't you ever, or what would it take to get you to, you should, you, you, you. If you really cared about me, then you would, right? Things like that, where you're, you're really, this is the sword coming out. And it I think is. sometimes, especially if you're generally really passive, then, um, then when you try and be assertive, this is what, how I feel anyway about me, is that I feel like I have to pull out the sword, right? And I get out ready for, for battle and then it, it creates a fight and it starts a fight rather than like, I just, I need to share, you know, and set a boundary. I need to share how I'm feeling, but I do it in a, in a very aggressive way. And then usually it's with my husband. Sorry, sweetie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I'm learning. This is where we get most of our practice, right? It's with our, our spouse if we or our partner, right? That we spend the most time with. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But like, I like how this is the other, the list that you're supposed to use. Like, it would mean a lot to me if you would... I would appreciate it if you would. I'd like it if you would. I loved it when you did this. Will you do that again, right? And so asking in a kind, you know, appreciative way where it's, you know, gives them space to make the decision rather than accusatory, you know, um, right. where you're making a kind request instead of, yeah, pulling out that sword and yeah. There was actually a time, so when my husband and I were first learning these skills, 
<laughs> we would be in an argument with each other. I'd be so mad. And we'd be trying to practice the I statements, <laughs> you know, and in the back of my mind, I'm laughing because we're trying so hard, but we're still just so, you know, uh, being aggressive, right? So it's like, okay, pick a better time when our... <laughs> <laughs> we're feeling less defensive when we're soothing ourselves, our emotions, and we can be a little more level-headed and fair with each other. <laughs> yeah. So now I know a little bit more about, right? Like, okay, there are a few other tools, a few other pieces that come into play with it. Tanya, did you have something you wanted to say? I well, um, I think maybe you guys already touched on this, but I really liked her pattern of how to use an iMessage where it says, when you, I feel because I think. And so like just taking full responsibility for your own opinion, your own interpretation of what they said and um, owning that. And then also adding like, and I need this. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah. Did you guys okay, already so talk about that? Sorry. A little did. bit. So we can repeat it because I think it's a really important. Um, so there's three fill in the blanks, I feel blank, so an emotion, but she also talks about at the beginning, like, we need to have language for our emotions, I mean, you have labels for that, that's so helpful in our understanding ourselves and in our ability to communicate to other people how we feel, so I feel this when you this because I think this, Yeah. right, and then what was the final one that you added? Um, I need, so then add in your need, I need. Yeah, that's the boundary, right? I need you to bring me flowers on my birthday every, <laughs> so that I feel loved, yeah, or whatever, right? Um, when, another thing, if, if it's okay if we move to a different subject, is that okay? Sure. Um, so I really like that when she talked about the attachment styles and she just says, talks about how when we are um, when, growing up, we either uh, learn to be securely attached, which means, you know, we felt connected with our family members, we felt loved and, uh, and supported, um, or maybe we didn't feel that, that way as much for whatever reason. And so um, we chose kind of two different ways, one of two ways to um, to feel connected or to, to kind of shield ourselves from the pain maybe. Um, and one of those is to, to be avoidant, right. To kind of avoid being close to people, avoid really sharing how we feel or what we think and just, um, kind of separating from people a little bit to kind of protect ourselves. Um, or we become, what was the other one? The anxious anxious anxiously attached and with that one um it's like it's kind of like the puppy dog right like constantly needing uh attention and um constantly needing to be told that you're loved and that you're needed and that you're uh you're valued and stuff because you just don't feel it or and and honestly when i was when she was talking about the the two um or the three different attachment styles i really feel like the two, the avoidant and the anxious, are really kind of stemmed from the same thing, right? You just didn't feel connected or didn't feel like um, maybe 
as appreciated or understood um, as you could have been. And so you've kind of brought that into your adulthood. And so when you have a relationship with somebody else as an adult, you continue to um, rehash kind of those same um, insecurities. Yeah, those insecurities. And so, like, let's say you're, you're trying to have a new relationship with, with someone, a boyfriend or girlfriend or something, and um, and you're constantly, like, wanting more and more of their attention and always needing them to, like, tell tell you how they feel. And uh, it kind of pushes them away a little bit, what I've noticed. Then that might be because your attachment style is an anxious attachment style which is something I believe you can heal when you feel loved uh, and, and valued, then you won't feel so anxious about needing to be validated in that way. But it, it will take time, right? Um, the, the other one is the avoidant where you're like, you know, kind of keep people at arm's length and uh, don't share your feelings or your thoughts with them. Kind of, you know, try and keep your distance. And and the reason I I brought that up I just noticed when I as growing up and even as an adult that I kind of flopped back and forth like there were times when I was dating someone when I felt really anxious and I felt like I was very needy and then other times where I kind of pushed away and I think that that that's an insecure I would say there's two types there's the secure and there's the insecure <laughs> you know and and uh, the insecure just means that. Um, you need that validation a little bit more because uh, maybe for whatever reason you didn't um, feel securely attached as a child. And so um, maybe from trauma or whatever. And so now as an adult, you still have those same patterns of trying to feel connected and receive love. And so. Um, and can, can I bring up one point to add to what you're saying? Definitely. Can you guys hear me? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you mentioned that you believe, Janessa, that can be healed um, through experiencing love. Um, and I think sometimes we might think, oh, well, I, you know, I don't have that in my life or I don't have those types of relationships, so therefore I can't. But actually, it starts with ourselves. It starts with honoring ourselves and having love and compassion for ourselves. And that actually is probably the most powerful and important um, relationship that we can have is the one with ourselves. And so with <laughs> Thank no, you I think that's so that cool. out. That's so yeah. important. It starts with ourselves. It starts with loving ourselves and giving ourselves self-compassion before, before we can give compassion to anyone else. We really need to work on giving ourselves compassion. We'll be so much more authentic and effective in giving that to other people. What is giving Passion, giving compassion to ourselves look like because I know that is not one of my strengths. So, do you guys, through your experiences, have any? Well, I think validating your feelings is one step. Like validating and having love for you with whatever feelings you're having, and like letting go of the judgment towards yourself and your emotional experience that you're having. That would be one thing that I would say is learning how to have love and self-compassion for yourself so i think there's two th part two things that i was thinking of one um uh, is the way you speak to yourself in your mind like 
um, speak to yourself as you would to the, the most loving, greatest person in your life, right? Would you be, uh, you know, like speak to yourself kindly instead of being like, oh, you're such an idiot. Why do you do that? Why do you always do this? You know, when you're speaking about yourself in your mind, right? Oh man, you're always, you're such an idiot. Why could, how come you always do that? You're, you know, you're such a failure or whatever. Like um, if you talk to yourself that way, you know, I would say that's not being compassionate, right? You wouldn't say things like that most of the time to other people, but you say things like that all the time to yourself, right? Like we do that to ourselves. And so I think just saying it's okay. For example, at the very end of the book, I loved how she shared this. Um, Julie de Azevedo, uh, I don't remember her last name. Sorry. Uh -huh. But anyway, she, um, at the very end, she's like, I am two days past due. Like she writes the, at the end of the chapter, she's like, I was supposed to have this in to be published two days ago and I'm still finishing the last bit. But instead of railing on myself and being like, you're such an idiot. Why are you taking so long? You know, she just validated like, you know what, this is a hard thing. It's very emotional. It's very vulnerable, but it's okay. Everything's going to be fine. Just keep writing, you know, like, uh, it's, it's, you know, and she was just kind of like soothing herself. That was, that's another point that she talks about soothing yourself. Um, but she was like through that, through that initial anxiety that she was feeling, it was like, it's okay. I'm okay. And you know, I missed the deadline, but, but I'm, it's okay. You know? And so I think we need to do that with ourselves to, to show compassion to ourselves, like rather than, you know, being our own worst critic, being kind and forgiving of our weaknesses, of our failings, of our, you know, who we are and, and loving and accepting who we are and uh, being okay with the fact that we make mistakes and forgiving ourselves instead of, you know, being so mean. Um, Janessa, I want to add to that. Yeah. Before you add your second point, um, at the beginning of my healing journey, I didn't know how to be compassionate to myself. So one thing that really helped w was to find affirmations or find people who knew how to give affirmations. Um, and so it, an affirmation is basically, yeah, words or phrases or sentences that are self-compassionate. So if somebody else has been able to create some of those for you, like, I am loved, I belong, my feelings matter, right? So um, if it's not easy for you to just say, okay, I'm going to come up with something compassionate to say to myself, if you ha have a list of affirmations you can say and really just internalize those, those words or phrases, feel them, believe them. Right. That's the that's a key part is to believe it, because if you're just saying it and you don't believe it, it's not going to help you. So anyway, that's I just wanted to add that is affirmations can really help you practice self-compassion, especially in the beginning when you're just starting out. Yeah. So, so I love I, that. Sorry. Can I add also? Yeah. Um, I have a tendency to. um so I, I love to grow and learn. And sometimes um, that, that growth curve from where I'm at and, and my awareness of where I need to be, um, I, can, I have to be really careful not to start um, sending myself those negative messages. Um, and 
And so it's, it's something that I, I, I work at. And, um, I was actually talking to a friend about this the other day. Cause I was like, oh, I'm just feeling so hyper aware of all of my weaknesses right now. And I just kind of want to run away from myself. I'm like feeling just so uncomfortable in my skin because I want to be here and I'm not. And I, and I see, I'm seeing all of my weaknesses with a hyper lens. And I, I think for me, when I'm not practicing self-compassion, I'm only seeing the weaknesses I'm looking. And that's, that's me. I'm like, that's all I can see. And I was talking uh, or rather messaging with a friend and she decided to share with me all these scriptures. She's like, Christ died because we're so imperfect, because we're harmful, because, um, you know, we're not going to be able to do it right. He died for us. And if you can't accept that you still have something to give, something to share, that you still have a positive influence with all of your imperfections, then you're not accepting the atonement in your life. And she just like threw it at me. She was like, wake up woman. And <laughs> here's some scriptures to show you how the atonement works. The atonement is not for, it's for messed up, broken people. It's not for perfect people. And anyway, if y'all are interested, I can share a later time, some of the scriptures she shared with me, but I thought that was a really, um, really needed for me um statement and a reminder of the atonement in our and its place in our lives mm-hmm. it is not meant for whole people it is meant that christ even said like i'm i'm coming to help the sick not those who are whole and if we think that there are some people that are like almost whole because i know we i know i know everyone's imperfect but sometimes i Sometimes I'm like, oh, but look how unwhole I am. And I forget, oh, wait, we're all like messed up. So, yeah, I can I can share. I, my thing is I'm like, oh, I shouldn't say anything ever because I have so many weaknesses because I'm not perfect at being assertive or whatever it is. But right now I'm reading this book and I'm like, ah, I'm so aware of how many times I'm not being assertive or I'm not like showing compassion after I'm being assertive, whatever it is. And and then. Um, but it, it's, for me, it was an important reminder to not just hide and run away from myself, to not just stop using my voice because God needs all of us and all of our voices matter to him. And we need to know that. This was a great discussion that went a little bit longer than, uh, I expected, but anyway, I just wanted to thank all of our listeners out there for joining us, um, for this wonderful discussion that we've had, um, on Julie De Azevedo Hanks' book. So what do you think of this book and our conversation? Join the Mother Heart Circle Facebook group and add your thoughts and opinion to our conversation. And thank you for joining us tonight, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for joining our Mother Heart Circle. Please send us your thoughts, inspiration, experiences, and stories. Your voice is important. Your wisdom and your hearts are needed. We believe in you, we love you, and thank you for being you.